So, welcome back. To the Shapeshifters. Okay. Yes. Uh, we are going to be talking again with Harry Baker. Because it was so good last time, we thought, we want more. We want more. We did yes. more. Yes, we did. And <laughs> we have more on yes. uh, Slam Poetry. Yes. We have more on Set Theory. Set Theory. We have more on the Creative Carefully Process. Carefully say that, Set Theory. Yeah, 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 yeah. S-E-T. Yeah. Um, it's all good. <laughs> and we have... Uh, yeah, Harry Baker. Harry Baker, it's brilliant. Sometimes less is more, but other times more is more. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but it sounds brilliant. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we hurtle into outer space and navigate the ocean floor. Looking in and looking out, life was meant for more. Shapeshifters, shapeshifters with intrepid hosts Andre and Azariah. Shapeshifters, shapeshifters diving deeper and flying higher. Shapeshifters, shapeshifters. We're the shapeshifters and thinking about how we adopt and adapt within different environments, different yeah. contexts, different situations how we can re-express ourselves, be authentically us within... Yeah, change the story about who we are. Yeah, uh-huh. kind of on the spot. And it sounds like that's what you've been doing. So what, what's given you the mental agility or the curiosity to want to cross thresholds in this way? So you're saying that you're respecting the form, but also yeah. it sounds like you're shaping it and changing it in some ways too. Yeah. It's shaping you and you're changing it. Yeah. You know, there seems Definitely. to be some sort of interplay. Um, I mean, at first it was partly this. They, they kept asking me back... Um, and, like, I don't think it was much more at the start than thinking rap battling. It's quite cool. It's quite a cool thing <laughs> yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, but also, I kind of... It terrified me, and I quite liked that. And I found that exciting that it was something completely different. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'd grown up listening to a lot of hip-hop and that kind of stuff, so I really respected the lyricism. And as I began researching possible opponents, I would watch the battles that they'd done, and so discover the kind of breadth of, of skill that was already going on in the scene. Um, but yeah, I just... There's something slightly addictive about it, but also I knew that I could get better, and I wanted to kind of be able to represent me the best that I could. And I find it really interesting now, um, when people come to gigs, there's people who first saw me doing the rap battles, and then clicked a link on the side and watched one of my poetry videos and then came out of their way to pay money and come to a poetry show. And that's fantastic and that's Mm. phenomenal. And I really, really love that. And it's struck me the range of people that watch these rap battles as well. It's not just kind of up-and-coming MCs who are trying to promote the mixtapes. Like, you know, a load of people watch it whilst at uni or people watch it as a kind of guilty pleasure when they get back from mm-hmm. work and that yeah. kind of stuff and so just got the baby down to sleep mum yeah. comes downstairs puts on YouTube <laughs> exactly that kind of thing and so it's a real range of people and so I I really love that people were willing to kind of branch out from that and also I mean the, the league liked me or likes me because I'm quite different so it's just the league yeah of course <laughs> um, so yeah so they don't rap about the league they I think they appreciate what I do but also, they've been willing to... They put up one of my poems on their main channel. Because I just said, you know, can I film this for you? And it got a really good response. And a lot of people were kind of like... I didn't subscribe to this, to, to hear poetry, etc. But most people were like, 
this is cool, this is different, that's still the, the elements of lyricism. And so I wanted to try and, I guess, kind of reach out. And, and part of the justification um, that I told myself was maybe it would signpost people back to the poetry and that kind of stuff. I didn't expect it to happen that much. Um, but it's been fantastic to see how willing people are to kind of check out my stuff mm. and see the kind of difference in it. Um, mm. But yeah, the thing I think I'm most happy about is how I've been able to be more comfortable in that scenario and kind of, you know, try and hold that integrity because mm. also I'm, I'm aware that I, I go into, I go into schools and do poetry workshop and mm-hmm. most of the kids spend a lot of time on YouTube and mm-hmm. so if they go back from school and search me on, the, yeah. on YouTube, mm-hmm. there's, there's a couple of TED Talks where it's hopefully quite uplifting and yeah, motivating uh-huh. and amongst that are these rap battles. Okay. And so yeah, uh-huh. whilst I can't be responsible for what my opponent says, yeah. I want to say my stuff in a way that I know if someone listens to it, I can, mm. I can have that kind of integrity. Yeah. Um, I mean, that probably shoots your respect rating through the roof anyway. Yeah, I know, oh, definitely. With, like, 12-year-old boys, yeah. way cooler than poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, secretly, <laughs> I've had one or two teachers who have really loved it as well. Okay. Like, whenever <laughs> I'm in a school and a teacher says, oh, I've seen your, I've seen your rap battles, it's yeah. just that pit of dread inside me. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get kicked out. They're not going to let me know the kids. And they're like, <laughs> so cool. I wish we'd known we could kind of yeah. set a battle up in front of the kids. Yeah. It's just, like, <laughs> really interesting to see yeah. what different people take from it. Yeah. Um, and I think compared to a lot of rap battlers, I'm not as aggressive as that kind of mm-hmm. thing, but it's still that confrontational thing. To me, it feels very different from the poetry. And yeah. I'm slowly doing my battles more how I would write my poems. And like you say, it changes you as well. Yeah. So in more recent poems, I can feel there's a heavier focus on the, the rhyme structure and the lyricism. And that's definitely come from, one, doing the battles, but also hanging out with a lot of fantastic rappers. Yeah. And so... So I love yeah. that. So doing something that terrified you, growing into it. Yeah. Um, now, if I'm right, I think, do you describe yourself as, oh, do you describe you as sunburn? I think I heard, is, uh, is, is sunburn a thing? So I know so it's the, the, the sunshine kid. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like, so sunshine yeah. kid is uh, the first collection of my poems. Yeah. Sunburn is the name of a couple of the events that Red Battle is. Oh, okay. Got you. Okay. Oh, so when I heard that, I thought... It's like Sunshine, the poetry guy, and Sunburn is like oh, the no. rapper guy. <laughs> okay, cool. Sunburn, because, um, no, I currently don't have a cool rapper name. Okay. Uh, when I first started doing it, nobody asked and I didn't tell anyone, so they okay. put it up on YouTube as Harry Baker versus Double L. Okay, um, right. Uh-huh. And then it came to the second one, and it was yeah. Harry Baker versus Weta Kinch, and uh-huh. I was like, at this point, I kind of thought, you know, when you search something on YouTube, there's about like five videos that come up. Yeah. So if someone searches Harry Baker, I yeah. don't want it to all be rap battles. I want some of the poetry stuff too. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to come up with a rap name. <laughs> and so I could tell the league so that when they put it up, it would be under the track. And also, I thought that's quite good. Because mm-hmm. then if people mm-hmm. are searching for me and the poetry, they'll find that. Sure. If people yeah. are interested in the rap battling, they'll, they'll find that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And but it was just like the uncoolest way of trying to come up with a rap name. I mean, most people, there's something kind of naturally. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to, like, have all these different kind of thought processes. Uh-huh. And I was like, if I can have a rap name that kind of takes the sting out of... Because people are going to have to call you that. Yeah, uh-huh. so it takes the yeah, sting uh-huh. out of it. So I was like, if my name is something like, you know, friend or buddy or pal, then then they're like, you're an idiot, buddy. Then they're kind of like, you know, it's tough as like, that was one thought process, okay? <laughs> the 
other thought process. This arming them before they even started. Said, <laughs> the other thought process was I uh, was living in Germany at the time, yeah. and I was like, German sounds cool. So if I can get like a cool sounding German yeah. word, yeah. that'd be kind of good. And I managed to combine these two thought processes. Mm. Ran it past about three friends who all said, "Great." Um, and the name I came up with was uh-huh. Bestie. Okay. Bestie. Because bestie, like we're besties, yeah, yeah, yeah. etc. But bestie in German means beast, uh, which is quite uh, a cool uh, rapper uh, thing to be called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and now coming up on the mic is yeah. beast. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. okay, great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so I kind of, I didn't explain all of the reasoning, yeah. but I said to the people running the league, hey, just so you know, uh, in my next battle, yeah. rather than putting Harry Baker on the flyer yeah. and the card, I've got a rap name, because you uh-huh. kind of go bestie. Yeah. It was like a slight pause. You know, you can see the dots come up when someone's about to type something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to and this is a group chat with the, the person who runs the league, yeah. the person uh, who's doing the promotion, yeah. my, my future rap battle opponent yeah. and me. So okay. kind of setting it up. And then first replies, I quite like Harry Baker as a name, actually. <laughs> yeah. You can hear the And then I was like, yeah, yeah, but I'm going to explain, yeah. like, if people are searching for the poetry, etc. Mm. And then the next response is, there is no way I'm putting Bestie on a flyer. Um, and then someone was like, oh, I've just realised you want to call yourself Bestie. No way! Like, Harry, Harry Bick is such a better name. Yeah. Um, and I was there, like... I mean, obviously, if I, like, dragged my feet and said, I'm yeah. not going to do it unless you yeah. put my name on the flight, sure. it would have happened. But yeah. I was also, like, at that point, realised that's not the... Maybe yeah. it's not the best kind of name. Huh. Um, so I was like, all right, fine, well, fair enough. Yeah. Um, but that all happened in front of my, like, future opponent. Yeah. Like, that's quite an embarrassing to see. So then, obviously, in the battle, he brings yeah, it up yeah. and he's like, yeah. you wanted to change your name. They said no. You were like, oh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's not very On cool. And so it was kind of like... Wow. Um, that's really interesting, man. But yeah. <clears throat> once I'd done a few more, people in the league knew me as Harry Baker. And so yeah. I think the more I did, the harder it would have been to have changed my name, even yeah. if I thought of a cool one. But um, now I've got videos on YouTube that have enough kind of views with the TED stuff yeah. in amongst the rap battles if you search for my name it's not just all this kind of stuff okay. so I can uh-huh. kind of be more at ease with it and also I think because I now yeah. represent myself in a way that I'm, I'm more proud of in the more recent battles yeah. I don't mind that people come across yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah I basically tried to go up with a rap name and got told it wasn't good <laughs> enough so I stuck with Harry <laughs> <Baker>. <laughs> that's great man wow yeah I love it um, yeah, just uh, thinking in terms of other art forms, what do you sort of pull on from music or film or other stuff and put into the melting pot for what you're doing? Um, so, my favourite uh, musical artist at the moment is Kendrick Lamar. Um, mm-hmm. I got to see him performing in Sydney recently, and he's fantastic. I mean, on one level, he's an incredible rapper, really, really good, really great production, so that is enjoyable to listen to but also um so kind of the two albums he's done have i mean i guess you could call them concept albums but they've had a kind of running narrative through them um the first album that was done through having kind of skits in between the songs and some of the songs were more directly about it some of them weren't um the second album is just a lot more political a lot more kind of tackling issues especially race especially where he's at and his kind of take on it and it's just done in a way that there's so much integrity, but also this kind of storytelling side of things. And this, his whole thing is, I'm, I'm a human being, I'm not perfect, I'm not this, mm. I'm not that, but this is my experience. And there's a skit in one of his songs where people are like, he says, you know, people ask me how I can talk about 
money, clothes, girls, religion, all in the same sentence. And that's because these are all things I have experience of. These are all half-truths for me. Um, I'm, a, I'm a human being. I'm not the next socially conscious rapper. I'm not whatever. I'm, I'm Kendrick Lamar. Hmm. And he says, I mean, there's a bit more swearing in between it, but mm-hmm. like, that's kind of what he says. And that, the integrity with which he does what he does, I think is incredible. And I just love how, you know, me in, in Leafy Ealing, whatever, feels like I can relate to this rapper mm. who grew up in Compton and, uh, mm. you know, has yeah. experienced the kind of, the, that side of things. But, like, there's, there's certain things, and, you know, he has a, a track called Peer Pressure where he talks about that. And that kind of, you know, and this, I don't know, I think it's fantastic, but I think he, he does what he does with such integrity that I find, I, I think it kind of goes a level beyond. There's a lot of rappers I like because they sound cool, um, but at the moment, for me, Kendrick Lamar is the most exciting. Um, and again, most people would like take different things from it. So I think because I, I always listen to music, I kind of the lyrics pop out, and so he's a fantastic mm-hmm. lyricist. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people who like his tunes because they have catchy hooks, it's, but that's still kind of, you know, mm. still speaks to them in a way. Um, Sorry, I heard a phrase which was, um, for artists, the most uh, personal they make it, the more universal the application. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like, yeah. So I, yeah, when I started doing the Poetry Slams, because the emphasis was on connecting with the audience, I thought, okay, if I talk about stuff that they'll also know. So, you know, some similar age group to me, if I started doing the theme tune to the Freshman to Bel Air, anyone my age would be able to kind of finish that. Mm-hmm. And so if you reference that in a poem, you'll get a reaction from those people. Um, but I realised by talking about stuff that was personal to me that other people hadn't experienced, if you can do it in a way that explains what it is that that thing means to you. People can relate to that. People can relate to being passionate about something or feeling lost or feeling... And, yeah. you know, if you distill anything down to a more empirical kind of form, there's... Commonality. Yeah, there's things yeah. there that other people experience. But, but also, I love going, like, every now and then, going really niche into something that I know most people don't care about or won't know about, but they can kind of enjoy, like, me doing that and mm. that kind of stuff. Can you give um, us an example? So... I mean, I've got a poem called How I Fell in Love at Freshers' Fair. And it's about first experience of university, going to this kind of Freshers' Fair. And, like, essentially it's the story of how I, I got suckered into going to a free taster session of the pole dancing society. And they called it, like, pole fitness. And it's awkward and it's terrible, but it's quite funny. Yeah. And at the end of it, I kind of say... Well, you know, I mean, would you like to say If you're up for it, it's a yeah, bit longer. Uh, it's kind of five minutes long, maybe. Oh, five minutes long? Yeah. yeah go ahead, go okay. ahead. Okay, and then yeah. I'll explain the niche bit. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, the one bit of context, there's a kebab van in Bristol called Jason Donovan. Uh-huh. Which uh, I like to like, <laughs> dig up every time, just the first yeah. line of the phone. <laughs> we locked eyes from across the room. Her smile drew me in like the smell of Jason Donovan on a Saturday night. <laughs> I walk over before I realise what I'm doing Heart dancing awkwardly like Jason Donovan on a Saturday night They called her Bex Beautiful Bex Brilliant Bex One look, I'm already erect On my neck The hairs 
That's right, Bex. <laughs> Breathtaking Bex. Babylicious Bex. One look and I'm thinking of section 1.1 of set theory that states at this stage we can't really define what a set is. But even that naive understanding of a selection of elements leads to various paradoxes like the set of all sets wouldn't really be a set, otherwise we'd have to include itself. And if I said she had the beauty of all the women in the world, it would lead to a similar contradiction. But if she was a set, she would be fine, knight. Bex. She puts bubbles in my stomach like Bex. Bex. She's conventionally attractive like Bex. I want to send her a text that ends in an X, maybe even a smiley face that could pretend was ironic and as her lips begin to part, like crowded lifts with stinky farts, <laughs> she asks, have you ever considered pole dancing? I tell her, not really. I'm not really that bloke. She said, girls love it when guys come along. I ask if that's a joke. Surely any guy that goes to pole sock must be a pervert, a confused Eastern European, <laughs> or both. She maintains it's a great way to stay in shape. There's a free taster session where you can discover your potential. In my head, I'm thinking less LA Fitness, more LA Confidential, by which I mean the <laughs> scummy gentleman's club in Ealing, not the 1997 Kevin Spacey crime thriller. <laughs> Either way, I say I do not think I have the arm strength. At which point her mate chimes in, show him your arms, Bex. Now imagine Popeye on steroids, seen through a fisheye lens, but beautiful. And it's the first week of time she did not have many friends. Well, it's the first week of time she did not have any friends, so it's <laughs> nice that there's someone that wants to talk to me. Especially when she's pretty. So I carry on this conversation, even though it's iffy, and for every perfectly reasonable question, there is an equally reasonable answer, regardless of the fact I'll be the world's worst pole dancer. I ask her if she'll be there. And this is what she said. I could give you your own personal lesson. So obviously I play it cool, like I'll see what my friends are doing. I am definitely at this taster session. <laughs> if only so, I'm reunited with Bex. Oh, Bex, beguiling, Bex, bewitching, Bex. You should have expected what happened next. Bloody Bex. There are 50 people at this taster session. I didn't really need to be a week into my math degree to work out I was the only boy. And despite all those flirtatious lies Bex has said to me that's precisely the way it's meant to be because after the third time the instructor addresses everyone as ladies followed by an apologetic smile in my direction I realise I'm about to spend the next 55 minutes trying to hide my embarrassment <laughs> not only do I stand out because of my standout Adam's apple I am also noticeably terrible which can't be helped by the fact that my palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There are friction burns on my calves already, I'm nervous. But on the surface I look calm and ready to pole dance. But I keep on forgetting that I can't. So once again I jump and swing and knee slam into laminate flooring, causing even more bruising of my ego and knees. Bex makes a way over for the lesson she promised me and whilst I still very much appreciate her company, he comments up, I can't believe you actually came, do little to encourage me. And as the Polsock social sec announces the end of the sesh, any breath that I have left is an almighty sigh of relief. And any dreams or delusions that haven't been crushed yet are soon to be expelled through similarly gritted teeth, she says. We've got a couple of socials coming up. Next week, there's a joint pub crawl with the American football team. 
Now, next month is our annual Paul Sock photo calendar shoot. As she hands out last year's calendars of sexy girls and lingerie, I share a look with Bex. This is everything I want to say because my mum brought me up believing in equality of gender. And as much as I would love for this face to represent November, <laughs> it's not quite worth the £15 registration fee. Even if it does come with a free pair of hot pants. <laughs> so as I make my way to a free meal put on by the Christian Union, show them my hairless sections of the leg and tell them that pole fitness is a legitimate form of exercise. I tell myself I need to start learning to say no to things. Or at least bring a friend with me next year. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so yeah, so for me, that, like, pretty much true story... Like, it was quite an amusing thing that happened because I kind of put myself out there and I thought, at the very least, I'll get a part of it. Um, as I was writing it, there were these opportunities to do these different things. Um, so there's, like, the M&M reference in there, but right at the start, there's the kind of set theory, mathematical yeah. analogy. Mm. So just jump on that, because set seems to be a word that you really like. So okay. it pops up a lot. And in the sweat of Kings, you do Kinch this whole yeah. wonderful flow thing. of... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so expand the definition and yeah, all that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So again, that was one of the first times I kind of was having fun with the language and the rap battles. Yeah. And I just thought that would be a really kind of yeah interesting scheme to kind of kind of do. Um, yeah. But then in in the mathematical sense, I really liked set theory. It was a bit more abstract than the math that I was kind of used to doing. Um, and so I could kind of try and apply it to these more broad ranging stuff. Um, yeah. But I know that most people listening to that poem won't have studied maths at a university level or that kind of stuff. But I think for a lot of people it's just kind of an insert nerdy maths reference here and it's kind of in amongst the story, it's a little bit endearing and that's kind of fine. Um, but for anyone who has done it, that bit will really kind of jump out. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting where I perform the poem, the different bits that people get. Okay. And I love that in the same poem there's that reference and there's the Eminem reference. Yeah. And yeah. if anyone laughs at both, I know that we're destined to be really good friends. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's the kind of Venn diagram I, uh-huh. I kind of in the crosshair of. But what I've realised in a lot of my poems, um, I've got the, the 59 one about prime numbers. Mm. Um, when I wrote it, I really liked the kind of one-liners and that kind of stuff. The more I've done it, the more I realised that for most people, that's that's a love poem about two kind of quirky characters that yeah. that come together, um, and you don't have to have a deep understanding of math to appreciate that. Um, and I mean that one, it's a lot more surface level. Most people who've studied prime numbers at school or kind of remember a little bit that they're the different ones and that kind of stuff. So you don't have to have as deep a knowledge to appreciate even the kind of math puns in there. But I think even if you're not a huge math fan, you can kind of get something from that poem. And what I've realised more recently is I really like trying to have the narrative in the poems that that most people can come relate to. Um, I still I don't have a target audience in mind. Most of the stuff I write is stuff that I like. Um, yeah. So the target audience is me, in a way. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, yeah, the more personal I can make it, the more certain people can relate to different yeah. things. But also, people don't have to get every single line in a poem to be able to appreciate the poem, yeah. if you can do it in the right way. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, there's um, a, a, a thinker on intelligence, multiple intelligence, a guy called Howard Gardner. Okay. Have you come across him? So he talks about um, six, I don't think it might be seven different forms now, but one of them 
um, a pattern of thinking, he says, is music and maths, and says okay. that there's a, a clear relation yeah. um, between the two of them. And so I'm curious, yeah, if you could um, help us see for you the narrative of, of numbers. Yeah, okay. So the other link I've heard about is maths and languages. Okay. Um, and I, I really find that when I was learning German, there was a kind of real logical process to working out what these words were and how they link together. Um, I so think you've got a German poem, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to hear that in a bit, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I think when I first started, in my head, I loved maths because you were fixing problems. There were definite right answers. Um, and I loved the creative expression of writing poetry because you could write anything. And there were, in a way, there were no limits. Um, and it was partly doing, doing maths at a higher level it got slightly more abstract and it was more about these general ideas of, of searching for answers, of searching for truth, of, of using what you've learned so far and what you know to tackle a new problem. And that was something I could completely relate to in, in writing a poem in that you've got a starting point, you've got an idea of where you want to take it. Sometimes it's as literal as, is there anything that rhymes with this word? And there's that kind of gut instinct of I know I can make this work somehow. What rhymes with poem? Uh, phloem. Ah, good. The, the xylem and phloem. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I really don't like rhyming dictionaries because I think that's telling you here's a list of what you can do and if it's not here it doesn't exist. I like using a lot of half rhymes in my poems and uh, you know, if, if a poem is a couple of syllables, you can break them up, you can kind of do it in different ways. And sometimes it's nice to have a really clean rhyme, sometimes it's nice to have it a little bit off-kilter, just to kind of get people on their toes. And so I think I think anything is possible with with language and with what yeah. you want to do with it. And I think yeah. it's quite prescriptive if you kind of say, these are the rhymes that you have and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And so I think, for me, linking the, the writing of a poem and the you know, attempted solving of an equation. It's about using what you have at your disposal to try and take it to the next level and discover something new. Um, and I know with, with music at a more classical level, there's genuine mathematical kind of ways of approaching stuff um, and that kind of stuff. I think a lot of it's about patterns. Um, in, in maths, if you're, you know, especially doing sequences and things like that, it's about noticing what's come before and what you expect to kind of come next. Um, and whether that's, you know, a rhyme structure or something like that, um, or kind of different stuff. Uh, I've got a book. Well, so there's two books I really like. One's called The Mathematics of the Simpsons. And it talks about how a lot of the writers in The Simpsons have got these either physics or math degrees. So there's yeah. all of these, like, hidden, <clears throat> geeky math references in Simpsons episodes, but also, you know, the... They talk about the theory of writing a joke and I don't think it's as, as simple as that but it talks about the kind of like the idea of of a pun or a kind of punchline is very similar to, to solving an equation in terms of you have the things that kind of set it up and then there's that eureka moment when it works out um, and if it's a double meaning it's kind of getting the two bits and that you know I don't know the exact science but I read kind of stuff in it that releases a kind of moment in your brain and, yeah. and that often translates as laughter or for some people they like to groan at it and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff um, so for me I found that really interesting but what, what I found <laughs> interesting exactly just the, um, 
they what they said, which I think was fairly tongue in cheek, was a lot of the the mathematical writers in the Simpsons were really good at structuring jokes that kind of break away from logic, kind of slightly mm-hmm. nonsense things, um, because they understood logic so well. And they said the mathematical writers in the Simpsons they weren't as good as the kind of social observational kind of humour, because they they didn't mathematicians don't have lives was kind of the the joke they were making. Um, but I find it really interesting the the idea of looking at structure. But also, once you have that structure, how you can break away from it. And I think that kind of fits in. Um, I mean, the other book talks about the poetry of prime numbers and kind of having discovered this after my poem, I was really interested about it. And even simple things like haikus are five syllables, then seven syllables, then five syllables. Um, and overall, it's 17 syllables, three lines, and, you know, three, five, seven, 17, they're all prime numbers. Um, mm. And they don't divide into anything else. And I think... A haiku often sits there slightly uncomfortably. Um, and, you know, it's, it's meant to be poignant about nature, that kind of stuff. And I think the fact that it doesn't rhyme... If you compare it with a limerick, a limerick is very neat and tidy. And kind of da 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 But, hooray! Often a gag at the end, cheap kind of rhyme, that kind of stuff. Whereas the haiku kind of stands out and it's a bit odd. And so... Have you got an example of either? So... The problem is my haikus are often stupid jokes that are quite carefully yeah. structured. But so I can do it. And what I love about haikus mm. is if you tell a joke as a haiku, you can have that kind of poignant moment at the end of it while people are trying to work out what it is you're talking about. Um, so my favourite one. Went to Chinatown. There were too many bright lights. Asked them to dim some. And I just love leaving that hanging. And I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think if you structure it as a joke, where it's, um, why, I don't know, what you do when the lights are too bright in Chinatown, you ask them to dim some. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of way, but like having it as a haiku, where it's just people just have to sit with it. You have to either like, either like Uh sigh or kind of... Mm there's that awkwardness that comes from doing it in that way. And I think that's related back to the prime numbers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm. And so I've not got overarching mathematical theories on how to create a poem, but there's certain yeah. things like that that I find interesting. Sort of tension and release. Yeah, and definitely. So um, are you a musician as in, not just voice, but do you play instruments and things as well? So I learn, I learn um, electronic keyboard uh, at school, um, which is, is similar to piano, but not similar enough. Uh, so I got up to grade four, which I was very proud of. And one of my grade four exam pieces was the James Bond theme tune. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the tune, it just kind of has the kind of chords and repeats like da 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 da, and like for ages it gets quieter and quieter. And obviously, like with a piano, that's all about the weighted keys yeah. and gradually yeah. Because I was learning it on electronic keyboard, <laughs> I had this kind of like tinny like. Like yeah. beat in the background uh-huh. and to do the long diminuendo at the end mm. in between every chord I had to turn the volume button slightly <laughs> down so it looked like I was trying to do like a really cool kind of DJ set but it just like ruined any like beauty that beats my fan. Um so I enjoy playing keyboard because yeah. you could like throw in sound effects and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but I now I appreciate the piano a lot more yeah. and okay. people who can and also with the left hand playing electronic keyboard mm. you just play the chord and that would change the key that the backing track was in so okay. I can't really do stuff in both hands at the same time okay. um, but 
my friends are very musical. Um, mm-hmm. And my school had a lot of good music opportunities. And, you yeah. know, I got a guitar for my 13th birthday, learned some chords, mm-hmm. but wasn't that good at it. Yeah. So tell us, I mean, um, a bit about the work that you've got, because I know you and a friend... Yes. Um, got an EP so, yeah. and... So my friend, Chris Reed, um, we have known each other, like, over ten years now. Used to... Um, do uh, pay for around together, went to school together, he's kind of famous songwriter. There's one point where there was a Battle of the Bands competition at school. Um, you know, we're pretty much pretty much rivals. I was I was rapping whilst my brother and his friend were, were mixing tunes on decks and, and Chris was, you know, in a in a real band doing a cover of his yeah. favourite rock song or whatever. And I like to think we me and my brother were the crowd favourites, but they weren't, they weren't ready for it. So Chris, with his traditional methods, you know, got a first prize. But there was that kind of mutual appreciation of each yeah. other. Um, and we've, we've played together loads since. And it started off, he was in a band, and then we'd get booked for a few function gigs. And we were trying to work out which kind of pop songs or songs in the charts were there that had kind of rap sections. So that I come on okay. and do that because like that was cool and it wasn't yeah, uh-huh. a lot of the stuff wasn't the stuff I'd written because it was their band but I'd come on and do stuff like Estelle American Boy because I had a bit with Kanye West in it yeah. or you know uh, yeah. I'd come yeah. on and be Snoop Dogg or uh-huh. I'd come on and be you know in a couple yeah. of the Gorillaz tracks they're really okay. cool rap section so Michael Jackson's Black or White exactly <laughs> there were a couple of different like uh, party pieces <laughs> Um, to, <laughs> yeah, to kind of like hype up the ground. So that was really fun playing together. Um, mm-hmm. And then started writing stuff together, and I'd write some some rap tunes that he would sing the choruses on, and he'd write some singer songwriting tunes that I would do a verse on. Um, and so it was really fun. And for a while, when I started doing the poetry, I took a break from the music because as soon as there was any kind of beat, I could feel myself nodding along to the metronome in my head. And I knew a lot of people, and through doing it, I was meeting a lot of people who were far better rappers than me. Um, and what I loved about the poetry is I could time the performance and I could leave spaces and I could let the words breathe and if there's a punchline, you can let people laugh or if a serious bit, you can kind of slow down slightly and you can shift tone and, and use all of these different things that I didn't know were possible and I didn't think were possible with music. Um, so what's been really fun is doing stuff with Chris again, coming at it from that perspective where... I'm writing the lyrics and trying to say these different things and he's working the music around that. So it's not just here's an instrumental rap to it, it's kind of working out that. And it's it's really fun and I love just hanging out with Chris, being on stage with him and that kind of comes across. And there's a lot of playful language and kind of playful tunes. And so that's been really, really cool to do. Right, that's good. So we'll get this in our, in our show notes and that sort of thing, but tell us a little bit about where we can hear. Um, so... We, much like the thought process I put into my rap name, we thought as a duo, <laughs> we need to come up with something kind of brilliant. And so we ended up with uh, Harry and Chris. <laughs> uh, he, he was keen for it to be alphabetical, but I just thought Harry and Chris, a bit more of a ring to it. Um, and so, you know, we, we try and get the, the kind of the Twitter handle or the Facebook kind of stuff. And... Turns out there's other combinations of people called Harry and people called Chris. Mm. So facebook.com forward slash Harry and Chris is what seems to be an elderly gentleman called Harry who has a partner called Christina. <laughs> 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 um, on Twitter, 
forward slash Harry and Chris is a joint fan page for Harry Styles and Chris Martin uh-huh. of One Direction and Coldplay because yeah, someone yeah. likes them both so much they want to just yeah, kind of yeah. put them together um, yeah. so we kind of missed the boat a little bit mm-hmm. so on these uh, social media yeah. we, we toyed with you know Harry plus Chris mm-hmm. Harry ampersand Chris yeah. and we've, we've ended up with Harry and Chris okay. like fish and chips mm-hmm. yeah. uh-huh. but we're still very much I think Harry and Chris yes on, on our inevitable show oh, When you flights. perform, do you stand in that order? Mm. As in, like, Anton Deck? You know, it's always an, on the left, Deck on the right. I think, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, it's Harry and Chris on yeah. SoundCloud, Facebook, uh, Twitter. We've got a, like, five-track EP um, of stuff, and one of them is the My Bumblebee poem I originally wrote as a rap with Chris. Mm. So doing that over music with him singing kind of brings it to life. All the other stuff is original, written for us as a duo, because I didn't want to just be trying to fit my bums to a beat. Um, and I'm sure at some point we'll put a few more to music, because that's been really fun. Um, but, yeah, it's five tracks, and we're going back up to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year with an hour-long show. Um, so it'll be similar to, to the show you saw, where there's the pieces, and then there'll be the bits in between will develop a bit yeah. more. And with two of us, I'm sure that there'll be chances for our chemistry to shine through. Uh, but it's really fun. Fun is honestly yeah. the word I used to describe it. And it's tricky because I, I, again, I don't know who the target audience is apart from me. I know a lot of, uh, you know, suddenly in the rap battle world, because it is rapping over music, but it's not kind of hip hop beats. It's not for everyone. And in the poetry world, most people are happy to give it a listen if they've heard my stuff before or kind of Chris's fans will listen. And so, I'm pretty confident if people come to a show and, and see it, like it's good and it's fun and they enjoy it. Like if they like what I do, because it's me doing that, but just with more music. Um, but it's trying to find a place for that because this it feels like a completely new project, and I feel like anyone who's liked any of my pages online, it's because they like the poetry, and I think they'll like this as well. But I don't know for sure. Um, so at the moment, it's quite new and exciting, um, seeing where it will go. But you can listen online. Wonderful. It's Harry yeah. and Chris. Harry and Chris. Brilliant. Yes, you've got any other uh, stuff coming up that people um, would like? To so, my next Don't Flop Battle is on beat. Uh, and it's not just hip-hop, it's grime. Um, mm. So, grime music is a bit faster tempo. It's about 140 BPM. Uh, came out to kind of garage. And so, typically, these grime clashes are uh, fairly aggressive, like, not in a physical way, but there's a lot of hype involved. And a lot of it is just how technically impressive the rapping is. Um, and so once a year, Don't Flop have an April Fool's event. Um, and this year it's in May, so they've called it Maple Fool's. And they thought, <laughs> who are the two least likely people to be able to do a battle over crime that would be funny to set up as a joke? And obviously my name got suggested straight away. Um, and the guy I'm up against is called Ogmios. And he is a uh, PE teacher. Who, and again, these are the characters that people are given. His key, key facts of Ogmios. Mm-hmm. PE teacher, vegan, uh, really chilled out. Um, kind of does a lot of yoga, meditating, etc. So again, people are like, he's not going to... And he speaks really slowly in his battles. And it's really like <laughs> transfixing. <laughs> they just thought... He won't be able to do it. Harry won't be able to do it. Yeah. This would be funny for Um But it's, it's really hard work trying to prepare for this in a completely different mm. way. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm really excited. And so 
this week I kind of did a little preview and released some stuff. Okay. Because so in the ground clashes as well, they kind of do sends for each other. Where like before the battle, you rap a bit about the other person. Okay. Uh, and they have to respond to build. It's up like boxes sort of squaring up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. And so yeah. having done the first one, and a lot of people being a little bit surprised that it's actually in time with the music, <laughs> I feel a lot more excited about that. Yeah. So that's um, that's May twenty first. That's in Liverpool, yeah. but it will go online on YouTube about yeah. a month later. All right. So tell us, Andre, what else is happening on May twenty first that. Harry can um, big up for us yeah, and so um, Ma- let your rap battle friends know so they can um, come down if they can't get tickets for your yeah. event. Yeah, so on May 21st we're having an event. Uh, yes. We've imaginatively titled it the Shapeshifters event. Event. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> and basically this is an event where we're doing some workshops, we're doing some talks and we're kind of engaging with the whole idea of what is story, Fantastic. how story kind of shapes us, how we shape stories, and how stories shape lives. So yeah. it's all really around stuff to do with drama, narrative, creativity as well, and we've got some music going on there too. So yeah. it should be it should be great. Yeah. And where, so. where is it? So this is what's the? Do you want to give out the? Yeah, the sure. So it's going to be happening in West London. And it's happening at the Clement James Centre, which is W11. If you're London-based, it's near Latimer Road Tube Station. Um, so come on down, 95 Sirdar Road, Clement James Centre. Yeah, okay. it's going to be great. So if you're in Liverpool, I recommend mm-hmm. coming and seeing some hilarious grand battling. If you're in West London, this sounds way better. Uh, <laughs> if you're somewhere between the two, you kind of spread yourselves out geographically. It's <laughs> a good train network. Um, but... If you're not at one of those two things on May the 21st, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so, so give us some tips. So there's some up-and-coming uh, poets who are listening. Um, you know, what's one or two key bits of advice? And maybe even workshops, see if you can do some magic on Andre or I. Um, so I've just been doing some stuff in schools, which has been uh-huh. really helpful to see what the different ages kind of focus on, what they come up with. Um but my kind of technique in the workshops is very much giving people space to write by themselves. Um, I don't like being given too much structure and that kind of thing, which some kids respond really well to. Some teachers think this is a bit frustrating because there's not enough kind of input bits to kind of hang off. Mm. Um, but the first piece of advice I was given, and this is back when I was rapping, was to kind of write about what you know. Um, and you can take that very literally to be like, I know about maths, so I'm going to do maths but I'm, mm. Or in a more abstract sense, you know, I know what it's like to feel like an outsider or, or that kind of thing. And I think that's a really good basis point is thinking, you know, with language, with poetry, you can talk about absolutely anything. Um, so the first thing it's worth doing is think about what it is you want to, what you want to say. I think whatever it is you're going to say, you can then think about how you craft it. You can still make it sound beautiful or you can you can craft it nicely. Mm. But I think that actual kernel of what it is you're trying to say is is the first step um, and mm-hmm. go from there. I watched uh, a TED Talk by a poet called Sarah Kay, who then says the opposite. She says she started off trying to write about what you know, and then she said, I now write to figure stuff out. So find something that you don't know about, mm-hmm. and then kind of, how can you tackle that issue and that kind of stuff? And so mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a logical progression at some point, but also mm-hmm. I think that shows that for every piece of advice, it's probably an opposite one. Um, mm. For me, I started writing out of the pure joy of language and of crafting words. And then it got to a point where I was so used to writing that when stuff was happening in my personal life, 
that would be a way of dealing with it and actually putting stuff down on paper and thinking about, you know, what is it that I feel about this topic? That was a really helpful process. And there's poems I've written that I've not shared with people because I don't feel like that's their purpose, but writing them was an incredibly helpful process. Um, And other poems, sharing them is is the real thrill and the real buzz of getting that audience response to something you spent a lot of time on. It's fantastic because I think if, you know, my poems wouldn't exist if I didn't write them. You've brought something into this world. And so for me, what I say to the kids is to encourage them to share it because it's often quite scary for them, as you know. That's something you've created and then sharing that with other people, that's a real Mm -hmm. gift. Um, And again, poetry audiences are in general fairly kind. So they're happy to listen. And if if you've not done it before, people are often a lot more supportive. So I'd encourage people to to try out sharing something they've written and they might hate it and it might not be for you but I still think yeah. there's that kind of rush to it I think everyone can benefit from writing poetry I don't think everyone has to share everything they've ever written but there's a definite buzz to it that I kind of got hooked on and, and haven't turned back since um, in terms of actual how to write a poem how to structure a poem I think it is important to see what comes naturally to you um, I grew up listening to a lot of hip-hop rap music, I love rhyming, I love playing with words. Most of my poems pretty much rhyme the whole way through because that's what feels natural. Um, some of my favourite poets don't rhyme at all, but they write very beautifully, and that's natural for them. Hmm. Can you give a one, a two, one or two examples if, you, if people want to explore further? Who do you recommend people yes. listen to? so Vanessa Casule uh, is one of the most beautiful uh, writers um, that I know, fantastic... And again, just very... Talks about her own life experiences, talks about kind of really interesting topics. One, she's got a fantastic poem about her her grandma who doesn't speak English and, and she doesn't speak... I can't remember what language it is. Um, so they've never communicated through words in that way. And she talks about what she might have said and that kind of stuff. And that's just such a beautiful snapshot of that. And then she's got another poem about um, having stepbrothers... Uh, she wanted to hate them at first and then couldn't bring herself to it. And, you know, just real humanity in those kind of poems. But kind of most of her poems pretty much made me cry at some point. They're so well written. Yeah. And, and there's that kind of weaving language in it. Um, Vanessa Kasule. So Vanessa Kasule. Okay. Um, another favourite part of mine is Holly McNeish, um, who has just had a book out, which is a combination of diary entries and poems she wrote since... From being pregnant to having a daughter who's about four years old. Um, And, again, it all comes across in her natural voice. And it's fantastic. And she's got so many great poems. It's Um, embarrassing, but I heard her on Woman's Hour. There we go. There we go. (laughs) Woman's Hour, right? It's awesome, isn't it? It's a secret pleasure. (laughs) And, um... (laughs) Yeah, and she's got some fantastic poems. And so a lot of her poems are about motherhood and and being pregnant and then being a mum and I'm sure she didn't write that as a kind of business manoeuvre for how can I get on women's hour you know she wrote about it because that's what was real for her she's got a brilliant poem about breastfeeding and the kind of the the public shame of that and then she kind of brings it around and twists it into how we think about you know bodies in general and that stuff and it's so real and it's so fantastically written and she's brilliant so those two are they're my faves. Yeah. Um, Wonderful. Cool. Yeah. Got any questions? Andre, I've got, I've got one more. So, like, I'm going to play a little bit of music and I want to see what, what, what comes to you, all right? 
Okay, let's see what happens. Let's try this one. Do you, want a, do you want a verse from the Harry and Chris EP, or do you want an exclusive shape? Exclusive, shape? exclusive. Okay. It might okay. stop if it starts to start again. Okay. <laughs> oh man, pressure. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Let's wait for it. Okay, thank you for having me on the Shapeshifters. I think you're a couple of great misters. I know you listen to Women's Hour with the misters, but that's fine. You don't have to give it a miss, yes. We've talked about all kinds of things. About how you bring yourself to different scenarios. How maybe you might think you're a bit of a Lothario or like the Pokemon Lucario, which is an obscure reference to a Super Smash Brothers character. But like we said, sometimes the more obscure the better. Sometimes it's universal, sometimes it's just personal. I don't know. But I've been happy to be here. We talked about all kinds of things on a table that may or may not be from IKEA. I don't know, but I like to kind of go with the flow. So maybe I'll do some battle raps, maybe poems, maybe I'll keep flowing, or maybe I'll just transfer and assimilate like the xylem and the flowing. Yeah! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah! Shapes are good, shapes are good.